K-A-L-W. Welcome back to Uncuffed, coming live out of the San Quentin side. We got a few fellas in the room right now. Let's start to my right, man. Introduce yourself. My name is Nathan Nate McKinney. Oh, yeah. A-plus Nate. Back in effect. Go ahead. You got Edmund Richardson here. And Tommy Shakur Ross. Shakur Ross. And this is Tan Tran. I just want to say I love my job. God, we get to do what we love down here, really talking and really sharing experiences. And we here today for one of our greatest of all time, A-plus, golden standard, Nathan McKinney. Come on, y'all. Nate the Great. Nate the New. Everybody snap it up. Snap it up. Snap Snap it up. Snap it up. Snap it up. Snap it up. You received that? Nate, go ahead, man. I know you got some news for the people. Well, just recently, uh, last month, as a matter of fact, about 30 days ago, I found I was found suitable. Um, uh, what, 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 is, what does suitable mean? Hold suitable on. Suitable means that I no longer present a risk to public safety, you know, in, in, um, in terminology-wise. Mm. So for those who don't know, if you are sentenced to life in prison in California, you have to go through a board of parole. And if you get found suitable, what that means is that you have a chance of coming home. Nate, tell us what the process looks like. I think that what most people can identify with is like the night before Christmas, if you're a kid, you know, and you want a present. And that present to me is freedom and that suitability. And it's hard to sleep. It's hard to reconcile the peace of mind with the, with the anxiety attacks that you're pretty, that I was having, you know, to use the I statement. I had to address issues that needed to be addressed and I don't know how they, they were gonna be received. I'm gonna have to explain or connect the dots of what happened to me on that particular day that I committed to life crime and where I'm at now. And what brought me to the point where I had hurt people. Was there any like rituals or something that that that, that you did that night or that morning? Did you pray that, you know, some people got their pocket Bible? Did you got anything shaking for you? I think that I was using, was drawing on my support system. I have uh, family members that were in my corner. They said they mm. were praying for me and I, of course, I w it was evident I had to pray for myself, okay. but for, for the most part, it was just filled with the, the taboo, the unknown, mm. not knowing what's going to happen. Is all this for naught, mm. you know what I mean? But once again, I felt reassured by listening to people that were on my side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, just hearing Nate's story, like what's coming up for y'all over here, man? I, I see Shakur shaking his head. Emmons looking lost like he always looks, you know? <laughs> so what's coming up for you, Shakur? I can definitely relate to uh, your story, his story, mm. because uh, I've, I went to the board in uh, 2016 and I got a seven year denial. Mm. So I definitely can relate to the anxiety. I definitely can relate to uh, sitting, you know, in a, in a holding cell and wait for them to call my name so I can go in with the anxiety and the, and the not knowing, you mm. know. I like that a lot. Ed, what was coming up for you, man, just hearing about Nate the Great having to take that green mile stroll, man. I think for me, just just hearing his story, like the anxiety that he was going through is like transferring over to me. Mm. Like this is something that I'm gonna have to go through. And I feel like I'm I'm I have 30 years to life. I'm I've only served eleven years of that. So I'm like curious about you being like 10, 11 years into your your prison sentence. Did you ever think that something like this would happen to you? 
I mean, it was written that it was supposed to happen, but in all actuality, you know, it, you know, when you're that far out, you don't really think about it being a possibility. You just get you get on with the everyday life of uh, serving your life sentence. Mm. You don't really think about it as much. It's like what they used to say when people get a lot of time, you get a Buck Rogers date. Mm. That means it's way in the future. So something that's way in the future, you see it as the abstract. You know, like, it'll come, you know, that's like Santa Claus. You know what I mean? You know, I, I heard he exists, but, you know, I heard that exists, but, you know, I can't see it. Yeah, you know what's coming up for me is uh, uh, the, uh, the preparation process. So I know, like, like there's a lot of things that go into preparing for board, board prep, right? Uh, relapse prevention plans, uh, parole plans, uh, uh, the risk assessment, jobs, uh, transitional housing, so there's a lot of things that that go into uh, pro prep. Like, what was that process like for you? It was arduous. It was hard. And so it, it's a process. We put in a lot of man hours into preparation, just getting ready to go present yourself, you know, and you want to present yourself in the most positive light. So it's going to take more than just 15 minutes of preparation. It's years of preparation. Mm. Nate, this time again, man, Nate. Man, I'm just feeling I'm feeling a lot of emotions just hearing you talk about this stuff, man, because I was here when you got the denial the other time when you went to board and we were certain you was going home, you know? And um so my question to you, Nate, is knowing that the system essentially denied you twice they didn't essentially they did deny you twice and said you were not suitable like well what were your thoughts were these thoughts coming up for you when you were sitting in that boardroom of past failures they not only was coming up they were always in the back of my mind mm -hmm. they were the 700 pound gorilla in the room mm -hmm. you know what i mean but besides people right. being very optimistic about what's going to happen to me it's always i look back in the room and there that gorilla is you know what i mean yeah he weighs a lot you know what i mean because if you you if you ever attempted anything if you have not been successful you always have that particular doubt but you can't let that overwhelm you you have to keep going mm -hmm. you can't let the failures you know what i mean be the, uh, the impediment to your success. How long was each denial, real quick? Well, my first denial was five years. Wow. And then after that, I got banged for three. Yeah. And so it didn't feel very good at all. Yeah. It was it was uh, deflating. Wow. It was uh, humiliating, you know, to be on a personal level. And it's all the things that, that come along with not being successful. Yeah. But once again, I couldn't internalize it. I couldn't say that I was a failure. I, I couldn't say that I wasn't successful. I just had to find a way to overcome that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I just kept pressing on. Yeah, man. Like, even as you're speaking right now, Nate, like, what's coming up for me, too, is that there's, there's a certain point when, like, uh, hoping becomes a scary thing. You're, like, for me, I could speak from personally that I begin getting scared to hope for freedom because of all the letdowns that I've, I've experienced in my own fight for freedom. Like uh, you, you get so close sometimes and you're like, yes, it's gonna happen and it doesn't. What this really bringing up for me, right? Is that, you know, we're talking a lot about like what we're experiencing. I know the letdowns that I've experienced, I know it, it killed my family. It yeah. killed them. Yeah. Like every time when they thought I was coming home and I didn't, 
it crushed them. I feel like they were more crushed than I was. Like, can you speak a little bit about how how your family has been on this roller coaster for these three board dates for you? Yeah, that's the, that's the two headed monster. You know, the two headed monster is they they love you and they want you there. And to a certain extent, you want to circumvent you know all the pain and and anguish and denials. But what I found out to be true is uh, the resiliency, mm-hmm. you know, of my family because it's a sock in the stomach for them too. Mm-hmm. When you don't come home, you know, they love you. They want you there. They want you present in their lives. You know, they know that they know that you have value. You know what I mean? And they want the world to know you have value. However, when that doesn't happen to them, they feel worse for me than me. Mm-hmm. I definitely hear you on that, Nate. Shakur, I know you've been denied that board a few times too, man. So I'm like, same question to you, Shakur. Like, how did your family take it? How did y'all cope through that? Like, how were you able to, like, continue to push? When I got on the phone and uh, I told uh, my fiance at the time, like, immediately she goes into tears. Mm. Some of the volunteers who I've worked with here as well, like, went into tears because... They're here. They're able to see the work that we do, right, as individuals. Again, not just for the board, but for our own personal growth and development. So it definitely was a hard, uh, you know, experience, not only for me, but for my family as well. I've only seen my mother cry three times in my life. And that's when they broke in our house, when her auntie died, and when her mom died. And they said my mother cried. So that kind of moved me, you know. My older sister cried and my younger sister cried. And it, and it made, it was kind of like a burden or relief for them. You know what I mean? That this would be coming to an end soon. You know, the pain and anguish and the absence of me being in their lives, not being present. And it made me feel good for a change, you know, to be able to reveal that news because they were holding their breath when I called after I came back. And I called immediately, you know what I mean? Because I wanted to let them know because they've been my biggest supporters is my family, especially my uh, my youngest sister. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to let them know that, you know, this burden and that, that, that I've put them through, that I've caused, this pain that I've caused, is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And we can turn the page and we can begin a new chapter in our lives. Yeah, for sure. This Edmund again. Um, some of the points that you you guys were making is like they don't see us on our our day to day walk. They don't see how much work that we put in, but they want us to articulate it in a way that they can understand what we went through. Like I know as a man that I've changed. I'm 35 years old. When I first got incarcerated, it was early 20s. I really didn't deal with like any childhood trauma, never really unpacked uh, toxic relationships that I had, but I gained emotional intelligence. I gained this awareness. And one thing, one thing that I learned, you can walk the walk, but they don't care about that. They just want you to be able to talk it. And that's something that I didn't learn how to do. Even though I changed, I wasn't able to articulate how I changed mm-hmm. or this arc of transformation that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to to both of y'all talk about like your experiences going to board, like that's scary for me mm-hmm. because I 
I don't talk like Nate. Like Nate, Nate to me is hella articulate. Like he's able to express his emotions, what's coming up for him. He's able to unpack like what I see. He's able to put his trauma into words and make it relatable to someone else. And for me, that's scary. I don't know how to do that. I don't have that skill set. You just did. You just did it. (laughs) Unbeknownst to you. (laughs) But I mean, it's also like, I think guys, I know a guy, a lot of guys have changed. That criminal thinking is gone. That's not a part of their lifestyle. What advice would you give somebody that has these insecurities that are self-conscious about their abilities to articulate what they learned over the past five, 10 years of their incarceration. What advice would you give to them in preparing to go to board? Authenticity, speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. Speak your truth. Don't make it a rehearsed speech. You know, don't worry about the group talk, even though we get compelled to to be... uh, digressive, you know, when we get in sticky situations, but just speak what's coming from your heart and what you know to be the truth and people will receive that. I remember when you got that denial last time, that very last one, when you got that denial, can you talk about how that affected the people, not just your family at home, can you talk about how it affected the people incarcerated with you? Absolutely. It could be debilitating for the whole community. It's like a tornado. It's, it affects everybody around it. You know what I mean? It might be the epicenter. You might hit the, you might be in the eye, but you know, the peripheral, things are destroyed too. And people, people lose hope. When they see you trying to be a beacon for your community and you don't win, they, they begin to give up hope. That's a very valid point you brought up, you know, and it, it's been overlooked until now. A point well taken. Mm-hmm. I really want to just be in that room with you when they said, you are suitable. When we came back on the record, I was trying my best to look calm, but my heart was pounding like an 808 kick drum. <laughs> I could hear it uh, like I was in an old-fashioned blazer with 15-inch woofers in it. That's how my heart felt. But I'm trying to my best to look calm. The commissioner, she read through you know the formalities, and when she said that she they do, do not they no longer find me a risk to public safety. My hands went to my forehead, my head dropped, and the gorilla was removed from the room. I was overcome with emotions, but I was sitting there kind of in a state of suspended animation. I was numb, but it was a good numb. You know what I mean? Because it seemed like all the possibilities with things that I could do, including that what I'm going to get, including autonomy, was just on the horizon. What people don't know is that after you go through this arduous process of going through the board, now you got to wait about 120 to 150 days for the governor to decide if he wants to let you out or not. And more often than not, he can pull your date. So you went through all of this trauma. You think you got this victory just to find out you really just lost and you got to do it all over again. You know, so I'm praying that that's not what's written in your storybooks. You done fought three times to get to this part. I'm hoping that you just walk right out of them gates at this point, Nate, because I think I could see you in a tweed suit. Man, it could be made out of a burlap sack. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put it on and wear it like I just got it from uh, Ford or something. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 
we're hoping for the best, mm. you know, and um, we're going to enjoy the victory right now. Yeah. You know what? I want to speak. I want to just speak your freedom to existence right now. Nate, you going home. As a matter of fact, what we're going to do, we're going we gonna to say final parting words, right? We're going to have everybody say a little bit of something. Just saying goodbye, Nate, and how much we appreciate you because you on your way out. I don't care, man. The universe, we writing this in the stars right now. Edmund, go ahead. What you got to say to A-plus, man? Nate the Great. I don't call him A-plus, Nate. It's Nate the Great. Um, you're an amazing human being. I'm for sure going to miss your presence. I was kind of happy when you messed up uh, Tom's haircut that one time. <laughs> man, I mean, just being, man, just being in, in, just serving 20 plus years in prison. Like, I just want you to have the best life. I want you to live your best life. I want you to be courageous out there and not be afraid of anything. Try new things catch up, build relationships, mend relationships, man, just, I know you're going to do great things when you leave here, man, and I'm hella proud of you, congratulations, keep doing your thing, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Shakur, man. Yeah, Shakur here, uh, yeah, Nate, uh, one, one thing I want to say is, uh, just watching you go through this process, right, has been uh, inspirational for me. I just want to congratulate you on being found suitable. And you know what? Come 120 days, we want to see you on the other side of this wall, hopefully doing an episode of Uncuff on the other side of the wall. You feel me? Greg, he over here being the mega super producer today. He's on his DJ Khaled, but that's still not going to help him escape from yeah, saying goodbye right, words right. to Nate, man. Get on the mic, <laughs> DJ Khaled. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. This is Greg Eskridge here on engineering duties today, you know. <sighs> it's been a long time, Nate. As you partake on this next journey in life, bro, just know, man, that uh, that we love you, we care about you, bro, and we got a, you got a lot of people behind you that are rooting for you. you know, I want you to take a part of me and the rest of everybody else, man, and uh, go out there, man, and go stand on the uh, go stand on the water on the beach somewhere. And set us all free, bro. Absolutely. Nate, 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 man. I'm going to miss you, man. I celebrate your freedom. I celebrate all that you are. I celebrate the chance of for second chances. Like, to me, there's nothing more beautiful than a second chance at life. Like Edmund said, I know you're going to be amazing. I know it's just in your it's in your genetic structure, man, to be amazing. You couldn't even stop being amazing if you were sleeping. You wake up amazing. That's just you, Nate. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm humble. Hey, Thank you. For those who can't see him right now, he's glowing like me. That's what y'all know that. Shine. Because y'all been holding this in, huh? <laughs> it's about time you told the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, what's your what's your last thoughts, man? Before we before we check out, man. Well, it's been a a wonderful journey. It's been a pleasurable journey, for the most parts. You know, we've had our disagreements. We've had our agreements, but overall, it's been like a family, and. It's kind of bittersweet, you know, just to sound cliche a little bit, because I know that I'm leaving behind, 
you know, some great relationships. But on the flip side, we're going to be able to cultivate these relationships when we all have autonomy. And it's coming for everybody. You know, you can't keep a good man down forever. And I know it's going to come to fruition that we all going to be together and have a, a one great big party on the outside. But until then, my thoughts, my prayers, my hopes, and my wishes for a good and prosperous life goes out to each and every one of y'all. And I thank you for your heartfelt comments. And on that note, I'm out. Love y'all. What's up, everyone? This is Edmund. Before I get started in the credits, I got a quick update. Since we recorded that conversation, Shakur Ross was also found suitable for parole and is hopefully headed home in early 2022. We'll check in with him about that in an upcoming episode coming out soon. You can find Uncuffed on KLW 91.7 in San Francisco or at weareuncuffed.org. Subscribe to Uncuffed in any podcast player. Thanks to the team at KLW Public Media, our sound designer, Eric Maserati E. Abercrombie, Nina Gensler-Debs, Angela Johnston, Andrew Stelzer, Ben Trefney, and Eli Wirtshafter. And thanks to David Jassy for our theme music. Uncuff gets support from the Arts and Corrections Program, a partnership with the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. All content recorded on this inside is approved by an information officer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>